0: How's it going, Believing Church? My name is Isaac, and I am so thrilled that once again, you decided to take time out of your day to join us for worship as we come and we prepare to look at God's word. In case you're new with us, one of the things I want you to know is that we've been going through a series that we have called Misfits. You see it's a it's a series that focuses on the truth that being a Jesus follower makes you different than the culture and that being different than the culture makes you weird to the culture. Let let me say that again. That that being a Jesus follower makes you different than the culture and being different than the culture makes you weird to the culture. You see as I think about that statement it it takes me back to uh, some of the mo- mo- those moments in my life which were, you know, kind of weird. You know, there was, there was a bit of anxiety there. And, and I think that a lot of us can, 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 can kind of relate to this. You see, there have been times when I have uh, walked into a room, um, I've, I've walked into a building, and it was very clear that nobody else in that room or nobody else in that building was like me. At all, okay. And this could be this could be a lot of things. Um, there have been times where I've walked into uh, I've walked into rooms and um, everyone in the room was dressed up, and I had on shorts and a T-shirt. Okay, it was clear to me and everybody else who was around me that you know what's wrong with this guy? Did he not get the memo? All right. It felt weird seeing that everyone around me was so much different than I was, and that was something just as simple as like the way I was dressed. But but it can also be it can also be other things. Like think about it: Have you ever gone to another country and you realize that other folks don't speak the same language as you do? You know, that was something that struck me. There was a there was a time I, I led a group of people on a trip to. To Haiti, and um, regardless of the fact that a lot of the people there—if you didn't know any better—you would say that they looked like me. We didn't speak the same language, and so it was very interesting being in a place where the majority of the people who were around me were speaking, and I had no idea what they were saying at all. But but typically, when we are here. In America a, a lot of times we can we can think about this in, in things that might seem to be a little bit more serious to us for, for example I've been in places where I've walked into the room and I was the only black person in the room and, and here's the thing uh, like and, and it wasn't a situation where all of a sudden it was like a whole bunch of racist white people like leering at me and going boy what are you doing in this room no it, it was it was nothing like that but, but it, was, it was very apparent to me that I was the only one who was in there who was looking like me. All right? And I want to ask you the same question. Have you ever been in a situation, regardless of what it is, it doesn't have to be skin color, it doesn't have to be language, it could be anything. Have you ever been in a situation where you were around people and people were different than you and you were different than those people? And it's one of the things that we we have to contend with because my, like from my perspective, I believe that one of the hardest things to do as a misfit is this, that, that, that we have to at the same time determine what is and what isn't the culture. That's because when we are a misfit, like we think about the idea of, okay, Like, this is an important thing to do. But man, it's hard. Like, when it comes to being a misfit, when it comes to being a Jesus follower, we must be able to see the differences that are around us while simultaneously deciding if we should be fighting for or fighting against those differences from the perspective of them being God's work. Let me say it this way, as a Jesus follower, one of the hardest things that you can do is look around you in your current settings and try to decide what is the culture and what is not the culture. What is worldly and what is godly? You see, if we simply look at our surroundings and call everything that looks like us not the culture, we could find ourselves unwilling to fight with fellow misfits because the other people over there, they have to be right because they look like me. They think like me. They do the same things I do they believe a lot of the same things that I believe. But if we simply look at our surroundings and call everything different than ourselves, the culture or the world, we could find ourselves unknowingly fighting against fellow misfits. Because there's no way that those people over there could be right, they're, they're nothing like me. And so the difficulty here is we have to realize that when it comes to being a misfit, it's not just about using your eyes to see who looks like you and who doesn't look like you or who thinks like you and who doesn't think like you. You see Peter who is the author of this epistle he knows that this is a hard concept this is why he deliberately takes time to discuss persecution and suffering and all of that stuff that comes from outside of the church like if you've if you've been following us along this journey you've you've witnessed and you've heard Michael talk about this just last week him talking about what it means to endure suffering as a Christian like endure suffering because of Jesus, endure suffering because you're doing the work of God. But as we move to chapter five, the focus here shifts. It shifts from suffering as a Christian for doing good to warning the Christians who are in Asia Minor that attacks can come from within the church if not careful. If we're not careful for the battle, that's within. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that comes from it. We pray that you would encourage us today, that you would empower us by your spirit, that you would help us to live that out in the places that you have planted us for your glory and our good, in Jesus' name, amen. Our passage of scripture today actually comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter five, verses one through five. First Peter chapter five, verses one through five, and it says this. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, This is God's word. And as we, uh, as we move forward today and as we talk about this idea of the battle within, the first point I wanna make today is that misfits are not lone rangers. All right, misfits. Misfits are not lone rangers. If we look at verse one, it says this, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in his glory that is going to be revealed. Okay. What I want us to know here is not only are misfits not lone rangers but that some misfits actually have leadership roles. That misfits are not lone rangers because there are some misfits that have a leadership role. You see as Peter is starting this section here of this this passage he addresses the elders of the group. Now, if we're new to the Bible, or you know, we're new to Christianity, and we're starting off our journey with Jesus, it can be really easy here to look at this and to think that Peter is just kind of talking to the the, the older people in the room, or, or the people who happen to you know have a long you know have a shorter social security number. You know, maybe the social security number is five two, whatever. But but that's not the that's not the point here. Okay, when when, when, we, when, we look, when we go on and we look at the remainder of this passage, like, we'll, we'll realize that there is, there is more to what Peter is talking about here than simply just being old, of simply just having lived longer than somebody else who happens to be in the group. But there's another tip that's actually here in verse one, if we look, it's this, that, that Peter is, referring to himself as, check this out, in verse one, as a fellow elder. All right, like Peter, uh, Peter calls himself um, one, of, um, one of the elders here, and, and, the, and the issue isn't that Peter is saying, I'm an old guy. That there is something more to this than Peter being an old guy. But Peter is also wanting them to know that he is with them, that he understands. And so he's addressing the elders who are amongst the room. And what I want you to know is this, that when when Peter is addressing the elders in the group, he is actually referring to the primary leaders of the group. They may have been old. Some of them may have been younger than some of the folks who were older, who were not one of the primary leaders of the group. But that's who Peter is talking to here. And Peter says that I am a fellow elder or I am a fellow leader among you. But then he goes on to say, I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What, what Peter wants to, to, to reveal here is that, is that as a elder just like them, that Peter is a witness in that he foretells and tells the world that Jesus has come, that Jesus has died, that Jesus was raised, and that Jesus has sent his spirit to his children. And that because of that, Peter witnessed the suffering that comes along with that message. Uh, Some people might look at this and think that, well, Peter's talking about the fact that, you know, he was one of the 12 or that he was one of the apostles. Well, when you think about that, you have to remember, well, Peter was one of the dudes that ran away when Jesus was going through his ultimate sufferings. But also when you look at the rest of this verse here, it says that as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. You see, as Paul is addressing this group, he's saying, I'm talking to the elders. And he's saying, I know that it's difficult because I'm also an elder. And I also know what it means to suffer persecution for saying what's right about Jesus. But just like you, I also know what it means to one day know that there is a glory that comes with being associated with Jesus. So what Peter is doing here is not trying to somehow distance himself from the rest of this group as though because he was an apostle that he somehow had better. But no, for he is showing his love to this group and he is showing this oneness in the bond that Peter is saying, I am a leader as well and you are leaders of this group. You see, when we think about elders, I want you to think about people who lead and they, and they make decisions for the group, all right? If we think about elders in different churches and what it looks like, I want to share a few, just kind of a few things here of what that looks like. Elders as being the primary leaders within a church. I'm going to just kind of stick to Um, I'm going to stick to just kind of the the Protestant stuff here. I mean, we can go into all other types of of groups, but these are just kind of some of the the, the major kind of Protestant denominations and what they think about church leaders and what it might look like, all right? So for some people, when they think about the elders, they think about the pastor, okay, that he's the leader, all right, and then there's other churches that they say the pastors, plural, are the elders, that they're the leaders. All right? And then there are some churches where they will say, well, it is the pastor and some deacons that like those groups make up like the primary leadership of the church. Uh, for other groups, there's this, uh, there's this thing that's called the session. And the session is, is, is made up of, of elders, a group of elders, one of whom is also the pastor but then you also have some groups that they have the elders but the primary preacher who may or may not be called pastor also may or may not be an elder depending on the group. And so you can see that throughout Christendom and throughout just even now within the church there are different ways to look at this but the primary point is not to determine should you do this, or should you do that, or should you do this, or should you do that? No, the the, the primary point is this, like whoever the primary leaders are of the church, and they're recognized as that within the church, biblically, those are the elders of the church. And so this means that being being a misfit, check this out, this is important, being a misfit is not only a call to follow Jesus, although that is, primarily the the main call, that is the thing, to follow Jesus. But it is also a call to be part of a team. Check this out, part of a team where you might not be the one who's the primary leader for the group. And for some of you, that might hit you a certain way. For some of you, that might be like, whoo, I wasn't trying to lead that thing, no way. All right? And for some of you, you're like, I don't like that because you like being in charge. And the reason I believe that this is difficult for a lot of us is because our view of leadership, like it, it, it tends to be built upon our experiences, yeah. Like, and as we think about our experiences, a lot of times these are, these are shaped by the, the person who was a leader. Like maybe you're thinking about that teacher who was supposed to be a leader, but like, uh, they, they were mean to you all the time. They, they didn't help you at all. Uh, uh, m- maybe for, for you it was an, an abusive parent. Like that person who was supposed to love you and care for you and guide you and give you the things that you need. And, and, they, were, and they, were, they weren't there to be found. And your thought is, if that's what leadership is, I don't want anything to do with that. Maybe it's uh, the boss at work. He seems to care only about himself and only about the bottom line. And he doesn't care about you or your family at all. But if we just keep it real for a moment, there are so many people, there are so many people who are turned off by this, not because the world painted some crazy picture about what leadership means, it wasn't because of a mom or a dad, it wasn't because of a crazy boss, It's because you grew up in a church where the folks who were supposed to be the elders or the primary leaders did not lead and did not love well. That it was about them or the building or that it was about uh, all these other things than the flock of God, than the people. So one of the things that always that always just gets me is hearing people, you'll hear them talk all the time about, you know, you know, the church that they go to. Oh, I go to this church, or I go to that church. I go to this church, or I go to that church. And you ask them, all right, why do you go to that church? And typically you'll hear things like, oh my goodness, like their children's ministry is amazing. Or you'll hear them say things like, oh wow, yeah, like, you, you, you know what, Like the reason I'm going to that church is because like, that youth ministry, like it's phenomenal. They take trips all the time, they, they go to different places and they do different things. Oh, wh- well, why do you go to the church that you, you go to? Oh, I go to that church because that, that church has a doctrinal statement that is 100% in alignment with like, my doctrinal uh, b- beliefs. And what's interesting about that is people will choose a church to go to all the time about the different things that the church does, but you never hear them say anything about who the leadership is. Because I can tell you this, you can go to the biggest church in the world that has all the resources in the world, you can also do this with the smallest churches, you can go to whatever church that you want to and it fulfills whatever need you think that you and your family might need and i guarantee you you still can get hurt in a church like that if it's meeting all of these other felt needs that you believe that you have Because the way you choose a church Is not based on the size of the ministry Or the ministry opportunities that are there You choose a church Based on the man or the men Or the people who are in leadership At that church Are they godly people? Do they love Jesus? Do they love their people well? Do they love the people of God well? Or is it simply about oh they're big or oh they're small or oh, they have this ministry or oh they have that ministry and and please hear me like there, there's there's nothing wrong with having a huge youth ministry there's nothing wrong with having a huge children's ministry there's nothing wrong with the church having a huge budget yeah have all those things but you will find yourself very disappointed when you get to that place of spiritual need. And there are only spiritual leaders in name but no spiritual leaders in action only. So I'll tell you, one of the reasons that, one of the reasons that me and my family are are here, by the way, if you're listening to this and this is your first time, I am not the pastor here. I'm not one of the pastors here. I just happened to be asked to preach today. And one of the reasons that my family is here is because we trust the pastor of this church. The, like this, this church could be doing all of the same things that it's doing. All of the grocery drive-throughs. Could be, could be doing all of the classes in the community. Could be doing all of the meals that were for kids. Could be doing all of this thing all of these things, but if we believed that the pastor of this church was not a godly man, was not a man who sought to follow Jesus, was not a man who was driven by the passion of his Lord, despite all of the successful things that are happened, we would not be here. And that is my, like, that is, that is my, this is a kind of a sidebar here, but I just feel like this really needs to be said. don't choose a church over entertainment value or whatever, or, or like 100% agreeance on, with, with, on a doctrinal statement. You know what I want for my kid? I want my kid to love Jesus. You know what I want for my wife? I want my, life to, I want my wife to love Jesus. You know what I want? I want to love Jesus. And if there's a guy who believes that his his end times view of when Jesus is coming back and how that's gonna happen and all those things and somebody believes that this is gonna happen with with tongues and somebody believes that that over there is gonna happen with tongues. Like we disagree upon those things. But as a person that loves Jesus and has a desire to make sure that the people he's been charged to protect and care for love Jesus, I'll take that 100% of the time over the guy who happens to agree with me on every single little thing, but is driven by something other than God and His Word. All right, rant over. All right, so so we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep going here. But what I do want you to know is, if you're a person that like your vision of leadership is tied to like some horrible person or some horrible thing that was done to you, I want you to know that that's why misfits are not cruel leaders. Misfits are not cruel leaders, like we see it here in verses 2 through 4. This is, this is Peter here. He's, he's talking to the elders of the church. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You see, misfits are not cruel leaders because leaders who are misfits, they they, they must remember that all the misfits belong to Jesus. You you, you see that even if you are a, a leader among the misfits, that doesn't make you the person who's like, I am now in charge of all of the misfits. No, you ain't. J- Jesus is in charge of the misfits. And, and, and we can see this, but sometimes we can we can overlook this really quickly if we just breeze through the scriptures super easily. So if we if we look, if we if we look here, in verse 2, we see the word shepherd. And in verse 4, we see we see this thing, the chief shepherd. This is important because, again, in verse two, that refers to the elders and what they do. In verse four, refers to Jesus and who he is. This means that misfit leaders, that whether you call yourself a pastor, or an elder, or whatever it is, that that those people must lead in a way where they acknowledge that Jesus' people don't belong to them, that Jesus' people belong to him. And so what what, what does this mean for the person who is a, a, a leader within the misfit, a pastor, an elder, whatever it may be? It means loving God's people well when it's not fun. Again, verse two, shepherd a flock of God that is among you Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as you, at, but willingly to do that, as God would have you, guys. Uh, there's no other way to say this. All right. So sometimes um, loving church folks is hard. Like it, it, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to love church people but it's one of the it's one of the charges here to the elders to the leaders hey shepherd the flock of God hey you you're to oversee you're to make sure that they're doing well like don't do it under compulsion in other words don't do it just because you feel like you gotta do it but do it willingly as God would have you do it. Now, now, now. What's interesting is, like here, what's what's interesting is all these guys would have been who would have been elders. Uh, they would have been chosen to be uh, to be elders. Like nobody just got up one day and went, "I will be the elder of this group." No, no. Like they were uh, they were chosen. So one of the things the apostles did is they went from church to church and they appointed elders in all of these places. All right, and so it can. It could It could be real easy to be like, okay, I know I gotta love this person and and it not come from a place of like I love them, it comes from a place of well, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. That can be real easy to do. Now what about what about t- today? all right the, the way it works uh, the way it works now is like you guys decide, like, okay, I want to go to X church. Maybe it's like, I want to go to Believing Church. And you come to Believing Church. You came, you came to Believing Church. All right, now here's the thing. I'm sure, like, Michael is glad that you were here at Believing Church, but it, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like he, like, you know, just randomly started calling phones and said, hey, I need you to come to Believing Church. No, you, you showed up. You showed up, you liked it, and you were like, I like that guy. I like the vision that he has for this community and for this church, and I want to be a part of it. Uh, did you know that there is no personality test that's given before you start coming and deciding that the church is going to be the place that you go to? In case you didn't know, now you know. And so I guarantee you, like I guarantee you, he, he ain't going to say this, but there are probably some folks who rub him the wrong way. There's some, they, like they love Jesus but like they just don't, just don't vibe, just don't mesh. And here's the job of the elders, here's the job of the elder or the pastor, the, the leaders within the church. It is to love those people well even when they don't like them. When it's not fun. It also means being excited to serve God's people when there's nothing to gain. That's why at the end of verse two, Peter says, don't do this for shameful gain, but do it eagerly. Guys, like, when you are leading a group of people and you're planted within a community, it can be, it can be difficult at times, because even our leaders, like they're just people. People make mistakes, people think bad things, people think people think all types of stuff. But one of the things that is that is that is the charge of the elders or the primary leaders of the church is like you you got to check this out. Not just serve people when you know they can't do anything for you. Like not just serve people when you know they have no influence to leverage for you. Like they have nothing to add to your building campaign. Like they have nothing to add to, you know, what, what like financially or, or 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 even tangibly, they have nothing to add to what you and your church or your ministry is trying to do as one of the leaders. Paul is making it here that like. It's not enough just to serve those people who can offer you nothing, but be excited to serve those people who can offer you nothing. Now, if, uh, if by this point you haven't thought to yourself, like, man, who would want to be a, a leader in the misfits? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, because this is tough. Check this out. It also means leading with honesty and transparency, not leading out of anxiety and fear. Let me say that again. Leading with honesty and transparency, not with anxiety or fear. Verse 3 says this. Hey, when when you are out there and you're doing this for people and you're excited about it, I want you to do it in a way where it's not like you're, you're not domineering over those in your charge, but you are being examples to the flock. Uh, so what's, what's interesting about the church world, and, and, a, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this. All right. Um, there, there, are, there are tons of churches where uh, the, the pastors and the church leadership isn't necessarily like crying and, and weeping over like the, the unsaved in the community and the people within their church who, they say they follow Jesus, but like there's hypocrisy and stuff like that. Like they'll, they'll tell you, like they'll tell you that, oh, we care about the lost and like, it is a, a horrible thing. But, 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 but I'll tell you this, like in all of and so I've been a Christian all my life, for, for a time I was, I was pastoring in church, and, and this is the honest truth, I have never, ever, ever in all of my Christian life, whether in Christian leadership or not in Christian leadership, seen an emergency meeting of the church because of all of the rampant lost people and for all of the rampant hypocrisy in the church. But I've seen so many emergency meetings over the budget, over the building program, over the fact that we need another this or we need another that, over tangible things, emergency meetings where we gotta call everybody together to discuss these things. You know why? Because for a lot of people in church leadership, what makes them anxious and what makes them fearful it's not that Jesus is going to look at them and say, you didn't do good. What makes them fearful is that their church is not gonna be as big as it was last year. Or that their budget isn't going to be as big as it was the previous two years. You know, it. Great when you see leadership that is like they're honest and transparent. Uh, one of my one of my old pastors, you know, I, you know, th- there, were, there were things there were things about him I didn't like. I guarantee you, there were things about me he didn't like, but but that's fine, like that's cool. But one of the things that he would do, and and, and I and I loved it because it, it showed a sense of humility, is he would get to a passage of scripture and 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 he would and he would sometimes say i don't know what this means it's not that he didn't have an opinion like like he studied and he had an opinion and he and he could say this is what i believe it means this is what i think it means but he was willing to get before the congregation and not have to feel like he had all the answers about everything. If you're gonna be a misfit leader, you gotta lead with honesty and transparency and not lead people in a way where you feel like you gotta manipulate them or coerce them and do all this stuff to make them stay you know, and and trick yourself into thinking, oh, it's for their spiritual well-being, when honestly, it's about, well, they can't leave because if they leave, then they know those people over there, and then those people are gonna leave, and then if those people leave, then those people will leave, and oh my goodness, what am I gonna do if everybody leaves? And lastly, this. Being a misfit leader means leading with Jesus as the prize, not the flock as the prize. Verse four says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You see, in all this time where you're like, you're you're, you're doing things among uh, the flock, in other words, the congregation, the people, it can be real easy to believe that, again, that the people that are in the pews are, are like your people. And what can happen is that you believe that the prize of doing ministry, the prize of leading, the prize of being an elder, check this out, is that you get a bigger and bigger flock and that those people are more and more committed to you. Like th- that, that can happen and when that happens, Jesus is not the prize. The congregation becomes the prize. And so as, 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 we, as we are here and as you are, like wherever you may be, be watching this, I want you to ask yourself this question. When you think about the misfit leaders in your life, maybe you, listen, maybe, maybe you like watching this and, and you feel that, man, I get some really good preaching and teaching from believing but but you have a church that's your church home or maybe you just happen to stumble across this I want you to ask yourself this question do the people who are the primary leaders of your church love well are they excited to serve when there's nothing to gain and are they honest and transparent in their leadership or do they lead out of anxiety and fear if you ask yourselves those questions and you think to yourself man like i don't think that like our leadership does that stuff now th- this is important because you probably think I'm about to say, well, you need to get up out of that place and leave. No. First off, you need to go talk to somebody. Go talk to one of the people who's one of the primary leaders there, one of the elders, pastor or whoever, of the church, because it, 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 could be that the leadership is caring and, and loving and you don't know it because you ain't involved. All right, so, so, don't, so, so don't hear me say this and then you just go and you filter through your own lens. Oh, well, I believe these people aren't caring over here. Well, why? Oh, well, clearly if, if they cared more, I wouldn't feel like I'm uncared for. Not necessarily true. So before you before you hear that and start leading, I want this to be something that triggers conversations with you. Conversations to church leadership. Now, if, if if you have people within church leadership and they just nobody's ever willing to talk to you, nobody has time to talk to you. They they say, no, we don't we don't talk to people unless they give a certain amount of money. All right find someplace else. All right, but what I wanna end with today is this idea that misfits are not renegades. Misfits are not renegades. Verse five says this, Likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to know that being a younger misfit requires patience with leadership. And, and it's the other way around too, but I, but I do want us to know that being a younger misfit requires patience with leadership. Now, when we look at verse five, as we dive in here, like we, 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 gotta, we gotta look at this. And, and the reason we have to look at this is because we have to ask ourselves the question, um, when, when Peter when, when Peter says younger people here, what, what does he mean? Because you, you remember in verse one, when we were talking about, hey, uh, Peter was addressing the elders, and we were like, oh, well, no, he's not talking about just older people in the group, he's talking about the, the leaders of the church. Well, like, when he gets here and he says uh, younger people, is, is, he, is that like some other group of those? Like, just clearly the young people? All right, like we we gotta we gotta we gotta talk about that. All right, is it is it just just young folks in the church? All right, now now again, he 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 tells these people who are younger, like is this a group? Is this a different type of leadership role? I don't you know what, like what is this? Like he tells these who are the yet to be defined younger people to be subject to the elders. All right what does he mean by elders here, like has he shifted here to talk about like just people who happen to be old? Like is this a conversation about all right young folks and old folks? Like is, is this where it has shifted to? All right now now, now, I believe, like as I'm looking as I'm looking at this, like I believe that that Peter is he's telling the younger people in the church. Like I don't think this is Peter, like saying, "All right, we got the we got the the elders here, and then we got these young folks. Those are the deacons." You know, I, I don't I don't I don't think that that's what 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 Peter is is doing here. I, I think that Peter is telling the the younger people who are in the church to listen to church leadership or senior church leadership and the reason i say that is because like among the people who are younger there there are probably some folks in that group who are leaders to some degree or another Okay, maybe they're not the primary leaders of the church, but you got some folks who are in that group who are who are not the senior leaders within the church. They're not the elders. They're not the primary leaders, but you got these young folks. Some of them are leaders. Some of them aren't leaders. That that I that I believe that that Peter is is talking about. You have younger people in general, and, and I believe that here he's still talking about the elders of the church or the leaders of the church. What I believe is this, is that, is that, is that Peter, he's making, he's making his, his biggest argument here that when you are a person who has been in church for a long time, think about it, like I've seen it all the time, Like, as I have been in church, like, one of the things that I've seen all the time in terms of, like, friction and fighting and splits, it usually comes down to arguments happening between young Christians in the church who are full of excitement, they're full of zeal, they're full of strength, and they feel like they're being held back by the, older people who are in leadership and these, these, these people who are younger, they feel the time is now. And it, and it could be for a whole bunch of things. Now's the time to build a new building. Now's the time to start evangelizing. Now's the time to wake everybody up and do the right thing. And, and this and this happens all the while, like the senior leadership in the church, like usually it's due to like like pastoral wisdom or just being conservative, that like they that they believe the time is not now. And there's all this tension within the church. All this tension within the body of Christ and if you're not careful, what it's going to look like is, oh man, we got some misfits over here and they're battling against the culture. They're, they're battling against the Pharisees and you, and you got the other people on the other side and it's like, all right, nope, we are we're the ones who are holding things down and you got those worldly young folks that need to be brought under subjection. and what happens is there's this tendency to fight but peter he says here hey young people i know your ideas are great i know that you're going to be amazing one day I know that all those things that you've been talking about, like they have been placed in your heart by God is something to do. Be subject to the elders. Why? Well, it, it's difficult, but I think one of the things that we need to do is, is I, want us to, I want us to just look at the end of this, end of this passage here. Because when we think about those fights that happen all the time, and I've seen so many church splits over what, uh, over what is essentially the young Christians not agreeing with the older Christians. The, the young Christians, they got some of their leaders, and the older Christians, and it's like, oh, but then, like, within that group is like the senior leadership of the church. that there's this big fight and consternation that's there. But check out what Peter says at the, at the end here, because he's not wanting us to live lives as just like renegades and doing whatever we want and whenever we want to do it. He says, clothe yourselves not just elders, not just young people, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In other other words, God opposes the proud young people, but he also opposes the proud elders. And God will also give grace to the humble elders and the humble younger people within a church. You see, the the, the, the leader the leader misfits among us, the, the pastors, the elders, must be humble enough to realize that you know what sometimes they can be wrong. And that the younger misfits might have a perspective or even some insight that could be helpful to the elders when it comes to making decisions. But likewise, the younger misfits should be humble enough to realize there's this old saying in Mississippi, the big buck don't get to be big because he's stupid. In other words, you see that buck that's out there, has got the, the 12 points, the 14 points, things looks huge. That's because it ain't two years old. It is lived. And the experience are there. The experience can be seen in the the points on the buck. What do you mean the big buck doesn't get that way by being stupid? Well, the big buck likely doesn't walk out in the middle of the field to see what is that? Because it's probably a trap. Oh look at all that free corn over there that I can just go and eat willingly. Come on guys, it's free corn. The big buck has seen this before and he goes, y'all don't want to do that. It's a trap. If you walk out there you're not gonna walk back here again. No, that's not true. I've never seen that before. Okay as younger misfits, younger misfits should be humble enough to realize that there is much that can be gained from inactivity, because a lot of times, like, young folks think that the only only way that you're going to achieve, the only way that you can be safe, the only way that you can be a true misfit is that you got to, like, always be doing something. But that there might be something to be gained also from not going there. And so and and, and that and that ultimately there's a major covering that happens when leader misfits are are watching over you. So I remember, you know. This was um, years ago. I used, to be, I used to be a youth pastor at a church. And uh, the uh, senior pastor at the time, uh, he was Pastor Kirk. Now, I remember Pastor Kirk. And we would have these staff meetings and, and he, would, he would talk with me. And I had all these grandiose ideas about um, Turning the city upside down, and it was a school right next to our church, and it was like, oh, this is gonna be great, and we're gonna do all this stuff. And I was I was full I was full of zeal. What I what I did not realize is that in my zeal, I was offending people all around me. But what I didn't realize is that Pastor Kirk was constantly, guys don't, don't worry about it, I, I got it, I'll talk with him. It's gonna be okay, he's young, he's learning, he's got lots of potential, L- Let me let me handle it. In other words, the thing that I didn't realize is that Pastor Kirk was so helpful in my life because He allowed me to fail in obscurity even when I didn't know I was failing. I was able to make mistakes and they didn't destroy me. I was able to be a leader in the church but the mistakes I made didn't destroy the church. You see, I had to learn that good things come from when you look to others and say, you know what, that, like, that's one of my leaders. And so what I want you to know, guys, as we're, as we're closing here, like, I, I want you to know that all the stuff that we're talking about, like, all these examples that I gave, like, if we're not, if, if we're not careful, like, all these things could happen here, at Believing. If we're not careful, what can easily happen is, all of a sudden, one person think this, another person think this, the, the younger people think this, and the older, older people think this. Crazy to me that now I, I know that I'm I'm in, the, I'm in the group of the old people. Especially here at this church, I'm in the group of the old people. And so my prayer, my, my prayer for me, and my prayer for the uh, other old people like me, regardless of, you know, we're not elders, but just that we would be patient with young folks as they make decisions and as they fail and that we would cover them and, and that ultimately, young folks, like um, be patient with us too. We've seen a lot, we've witnessed a lot and that tends to lead to you know, a sense of leaning towards conservatism and not, not moving with the speed with which we should because sometimes we operate in fear. And so I ask, when you, when you see that, please pray for us. And ask that it would be clear, and that we would move when we should. And when that happens, we are misfits, but misfits with a purpose, and misfits that are like in unity, And misfits that realize, hey, they're leaders, There's followers, but we all love each other, we all respect each other, and we all live humbly with each other. For God's glory, for the expansion of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that um, uh, wherever people may be, whatever they define themselves as, uh, I pray that they would... Um, I pray that they would see themselves as, as misfits and that they would agree to pray for one another. Now, Father, I also, also ask that we all would, uh, would pray for our pastor, Michael. Lord, we know that uh, leading a group of people is not hard. That being an under shepherd, if you will, that that being someone who answers to the chief shepherd is not, diff- is, is not hard, it's difficult, because he's a man as well. So God, I pray that you would give him strength, that you would give him more and more of your grace, that you would give him supernatural ability to lead well, even when he's tired, to love well, even when he's in front of the unlovable. that as he does this, it would be a great example to all of us, whether young or old. We pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.